I'm milling about with Stephen Dorf. Hi, Stephen. Hey, honey, how are you? Where are you calling me from? Malibu. Yeah. It's not snowing where you are. No. There, huh? Oh God! It's it's a blizzard. It it started in the wee hours of the morning, and it's a snow day. This movie was so is so cool. I was at the uh, Crosby Hotel, and I was treated to your little performance, and it was just really really fun to see you combining music and acting and all that good stuff. So so tell me about that. Yeah, I mean this, you know, this idea hatched uh, just in my house. Playing Ryan, my director, a couple of the songs. And, uh, I didn't want to do a Stephen Dorff album. I never did. So we, we thought about how we could uh, get the music out through a character, and uh, just started talking about genres. And ended up kind of in the world of Nashville country music, the world I kind of come from, my dad and brother, and uh, their success. So I thought, you know. That's how we should tailor this. So then I found the voice of Wheeler, and then we uh, wrote some more songs, created kind of a treatment, and then came up with the idea to put him in makeup. Was this sort of an homage to your brother, being that he was in the music business in Nashville? Um, no, I mean, in the beginning, it was a tribute to the world of songwriting, which is my father and, and my brother, and, um, you know, me putting my left foot kind of into their world and to tell a story. And so it was a tribute to both of them, you know. And, uh, and also, in general, just the world of of uh, the songwriter, because they're not... Um, they're usually the ones that make all the money, and they're the ones that aren't really the ones that people know. Uh, sort of like the unsung hero, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, a lot of big country acts don't write their own songs, so without guys like Andrew and my dad or... They wouldn't have their hits. So you know, it's uh, if you're an artist that writes your own music, then that's one thing. But uh, a lot of them don't. So that's why you have big communities of songwriters just writing songs every day. Tell me about some of the songs that your your dad and your brother wrote that that got covered that I might have recognized over the years. I mean, uh, ever since I was a baby, when we moved to LA, my dad—he's had 15 number one records. My dad. First hit was Every Which Way But Loose. Wow. Movies, and he wrote Through the Years by Kenny Rogers. No. Whitney Houston's first album, Celine Dion, Barbara Streisand, The Carpenters. And well, shut my mouth. <laughs> number ones with Ann Murray, I Just Fall in Love Again. He's had songs with Lionel Richie. He's worked with Ray Charles. He's kind of run the gamut. My dad's also written theme songs to... Tons of TV shows. He wrote the theme song to Growing Pains, many, many TV themes over the years. And uh, my little brother in the last three years is the, for sure the, the hottest lyricist in that town in Nashville. I mean, he's had, he had four number ones in the last three years. Uh, everything from two of Blake Shelton's number ones last year to Kenny Chesney's number one this year to... Rascal Flatts new song that's going towards number one now. A lot more coming. So Andrew was uh, completely on fire in that world. So you know, it's a world in which uh, I come from, and I know, and I knew we had good songs. So I wouldn't. Uh, but the playing live and the uh, under the makeup and the whole kind of charade of it was uh, was challenging. And also, I've never played live music before. So really, that was this was the first time you've ever played in front of an audience. Yeah, ever, yeah, and we, um, 
you know, we just played the Ryman last week in Nashville, and uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So how daunting was that when that very first time that you had to perform live? Uh, you know, it was just um, kind of like the characters going through it, you know, it just just felt different, but, you know, go for it. And this, the beauty of this movie was there's no script, so if I screwed up, then we'd have a scene to talk about after if I do well. Crowd win the win the crowd over, then we got another scene to do. What was the crowd reaction when when you did play? When you were feeling like you were in the pocket? Um, awesome. I mean, you know, the scene at the Bluebird Cafe, which um, doesn't they don't use that <clears throat> cafe in movies. Um, it's a very uh, sacred place to play, and you have to be invited to play in there. And it's all public; people buying tickets, and they don't know what show they're getting that night. And you know. Mm. We had one take to get Wheeler up there and sing Pour Me Out of This Town, and uh, yeah, the crowd went, off, went crazy. I need a stranger to spin me around. I gotta have me a few shots of crown. I got one hell of a heartache, one hell of a heartache to burn. Hey, hey, Mr. Bartender, I don't wanna remember, I just wanna surrender now. Better make this buzz last forever. Pull me another round. And pull me, pull me out of this town. So there were some nights that I played that weren't as strong, and then we weaved them in and out of the story. How did you sort of get your, your golden ticket then into the Bluebird? Which, yes, by the way, is a fantastic venue. I've been there. It's very cool. Yeah, um, well, Bobby Cumberland, who's in the movie and who wrote Pour Me Out of This Town with me and my brother, he's a number one songwriter as well uh, on his own right. And he he was my secret kind of assassin. He was in on the whole thing. He had a big part in the movie. He wrote four out of the four or five out of the ten songs with me and he um, vouched for this character so on a typical writer's round Bobby was booked to uh, play and as a songwriter you're allowed to bring somebody up if you uh, have a song you want to sing and so he vouched for Wheeler and brought Wheeler up one take nobody knows we're making a movie and we shot it and um, you know so it's like it's almost like doing a movie uh, like live dinner theater you know we, we were just kind of on the move, on the go, it's all live, it's all, it'll work or it won't. Yeah. Um, which was a unique way of making a movie. And you were completely unrecognizable. I mean, I know you over the years, and I didn't even know it was you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Kristen Tinsley, the makeup artist, is really great. He, he does Westworld and nominated for Oscars. He's uh, a real talent, and he just kind of changed my facial uh, features a bit. Yeah, why did you choose those particular, like, what were they modeled after, those features? It was basically just, you know, he did a head cast of me, and then he uh, 
just started sculpting, um, put his team on it, and, you know, we went in there, and there were, like, five different Wheeler, six different Wheeler looks, you know, and uh, some had real thick beards, some had thick goatees, some had a bigger, uglier nose. <laughs> and, um, you know, and for me, it was more about refining the face, but, you know, not making it too outrageous to where... You know, because no matter how good makeup can be, if it's if it's just a little too extreme and you go too far, then you're then there's that becomes another problem because people start looking at you strange. You know, so you wanted it to be seamless, but you wanted to I wanted him to feel like an old cowboy, a bit more weathered than me. You know, obviously longer hair, a wig, gave him kind of a butt chin, a cleft chin, and a <clears throat> bigger bottom lip, and then a different nose and some eyebrows and. Uh, and a mole and uh, from those five major things you know you start to look different especially when the, you know you turn different ways or you're on camera um, where are those prosthetics now um, well you know every time you wear them they go in the garbage so uh, oh. have to, all these technicians have to build different pieces so we were getting like two pieces a day for the next two days and then we'd wait for a FedEx you know because um, they had a FedEx your nose <laughs> Oh, yeah, the chin piece is the hard one because that has individual hair punched into it. So I can't have my beard and wear that chin piece. So I have to be completely shaven with my chin. And then the chin piece goes over and mends in with my beard, meshes in there. It's a complicated process, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, all first class we've done. And uh, probably the only big element we had in big movie making on this small little intimate experiment that we made so yeah it was a great great job did you fool anybody that really knows you yeah a lot of the musicians um in the studio sequence um are people they're the best of the best and they were booked for a master session under for wheeler bryson the new artist you know through kurt records so they show up their cartage guys bring in all their instruments and they play for their three hours and then they go off to the next session with Keith Urban or whoever they were recording with that afternoon, and a lot, I knew half that band in there, and they had no idea. So, you know, it wasn't until the end of the day when they were leaving that I kind of made an announcement, and they were all kind of tripping out because they'd known me since I was a kid through my dad. Mm. Um, so, you know, the whole thing was really working, and we were fooling the right people. That was really rewarding, and we got a get Chris Christopherson in here. We got a. Did he know? Was he in on the ruse? No, nah, Chris knew, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Because, uh, you know, he's the only other actor, really, in the movie. Um, so with the exception of Chris and a couple others, and obviously Bobby and Audrey, who play my friends, uh, who play themselves, songwriters, there was, um, everybody else was uh, not really sure what was going on. They knew they were being filmed on something for this guy that they were meeting for the first time, but they didn't know it was me. You know, they were kind of like doing real genuine interviews with Ryan when I wasn't around, uh, when I was singing the scratch vocal or when I was outside smoking or when I was doing this. And, and they said some really nice things about this guy. And then later you go in and you say, hey, it's Steven, by the way. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. And it's a little odd, you know, but they were all up to my premiere. I mean, everybody in the film knows now, and they were... We weren't trying to do a one-over on somebody to make them feel stupid. We were just trying to achieve realism through music without any preconceptions. You know, if I had said, oh, it's Stephen Dorff putting this band together, they would have been like, oh, who, my dad, you, the writer Steve or the actor? And, you know, it just starts getting murky. And 
then the whole thing just kind of changes and becomes forced and fake, and that, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to see if it could be done for real. We achieved that. So. And you also you also achieved it in this like really cool soundtrack. Um, yeah, that's really working. We're kind of rocking Spotify on the hottest playlist. Wow. Pour me out of this town's on the radio, and I'm doing. We just played the Ryman. I mean, we're getting booked. For, you know, people aren't 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 really looking at this as just a little silly thing. Are you aware of uh, Chris Christopherson playing City Winery? Uh, when's that? Ah, oh, you're not aware. <laughs> um, he's going to be playing City Winery in March. Oh, right. In yeah. New York. I think he's playing the Ryman, too, that, that trip, because the NFA is giving him some big lifetime achievement award. So, you're going to get up on that stage as Wheeler or as Stephen Dorff? Or? Yeah, yeah, Chris has always said he wanted me to play with him up there, so I don't know what we play, because Chris... Well, you know, he loves my album, he said, but I don't know if he knows my songs, but we could always play New Mr. Me, his song that he gave to the movie and played on. You can be the new Mr. Me. Yeah, you can be the new Mr. Me. Beautiful, yeah. Sounds great. So, what uh, what other singles do you think are going to be released from uh, the soundtrack? Is Fever? Yeah, we haven't really talked. We haven't talked to the label yet. You know, it's what, what I'm getting from a lot of people that are buying the record, and I've never made a record. So, um, but, you know, and I wrote all the songs. But what I'm getting is, is that people are having a hard time when they listen to it figuring out what their favorite song is because it, it kind of changes on you. And what I tried to do with this record was build it like the, the great soundtracks of, of movies, you know, whether it was a biopic like Purple Rain where Prince had the songs and they just kept going, you know, or it was Dirty Dancing, which was this movie that struck a chord with America and the world and all those songs were hits, you know, even Patrick Swayze had a hit out of it, you know, mm -hmm. and if you go back to like the Bodyguard soundtrack and, you know, even my dad's film, which the film I don't think was a was a big hit, but George Strait was the star of it, the first pure country for Warner Brothers that Jerry Weintraub produced. My dad wrote, produced the album, and that album sold like eight million records. You know, the movie wasn't a huge success, but the album was massive. And Jerry Weintraub would always say, "Man, your dad made me a fortune on that album. <laughs> the movie didn't make me shit." But, um, <laughs> God bless Jerry Weintraub. He was a great producer and a great guy, and. Uh, friend of mine, but uh, in any event, um, we tried to build the album to answer your question with a ton of songs, so in my heart, I think Perfect Disaster could be a single, I think Fever could be a single. Just look at you, girl, the things you do to me, what am I, baby, what am I to do, it's like you got crazy Yeah. 
I think uh, Rainbow Slide or even Move On could be a single. I mean, there's a lot of them. Showed Me the Way is a great movie song. I love She's Only 20. Yeah, see, that's weird. Like, that's to me, like, for me, the weakest on the album. Really? I really like it. Yeah, I don't know. See, it's a weird album. And if you listen to it a lot more, you may start feeling like Tribe is your favorite song. My friend Dom is obsessed with Tribe. It's just a stripped-down piano. And me and Mickey Raphael, who plays harmonica for Willie Nelson and Chris Stapleton, who's arguably the best harmonica player in the all of the music business. He taught Paul Simon how to play. Wow. He plays with me on the score, and he plays with me on the opening and through Pour Me Out of This Town, and he's just a, he plays on Tribe, too, and he's just an incredible player, but I can't get him all the time on for these gigs because um, he's uh, out with Willie a lot. What a rewarding experience, Stephen, this must have been for you. Yeah, it was really amazing just to work with the authentic guys, the real guys, not come in as some Hollywood actor and try to do something. But I don't know what I'm doing. I knew what I'm doing. I, I know songs. I come from that, you know. Always thought as a one movie, one album kind of project that go together. If you see the movie on demand or in the theater, by chance, and you... Uh, and bang, you're going to probably want to buy the album on iTunes. If you hear the album or hear the song and you hear it's a movie, what the hell? I'm going to I want to go check out the movie, you know? And, and uh, by the time it gets to Netflix and in a few months, and it's a slow rollout and slow build, the word of mouth, and the, hopefully what Wheeler has to offer to people uh, is something refreshing and... Uh, and they can be feel something from the music and the film. Fans will definitely be wanting an encore. What, what are you going to do when that happens? Yeah, that's the thing is i got a lot of music people approaching me right now, and uh, I don't know, you know, I'd love to keep, I'm still writing songs, so I'd love to um, do something else. I don't know if, uh, you know, the Wheeler sound is something that's kind of become a little infectious amongst the music side of things, and, uh, and if we can actually have a record that, starts uh, rocking on the charts well you know I'm not afraid to play I'll play you know so what record labels have, have approached you you know a lot of the big music managers in Nashville and actually in my LA premiere came up to me some uh, big guy from the pop world who represents uh, you know, Rita Ora but it's funny to get calls from hey can we grab a drink I want to talk to you about your next project <laughs> about music it's kind of funny <laughs> in the comfy you know, see your own home especially if you're in a snowstorm perfect. there you go perfect I'm going to listen to the soundtrack right now alright darling build a snowman for me and uh, listen to the album tell me if you have a favorite song in a couple of weeks you might have a different one ok Stephen thanks take care Tony, appreciate it bye bye just won't die Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 